Live from downtown Boogertown, it's Three Hillbillies on a Couch with your hosts, Boo Boo, Biggins, and Buford, three of the hillbillies in the holler. Y'all pull up a chair and set a spell. And welcome back to glorious downtown Boogertown. I'm Buford. I'm Boo Boo. <laughs> Biggins is Biggins is on vacation right I tried. now. Yeah, he's not. You you tried. He did a pretty good job. But we have a very special episode today, and we are so excited because we're going to have a guest on the show today, Scott Reader, and he is on social media as Scott Prop and Roll. It sounds like Stop Drop and Roll, but it's Scott Prop and Roll because he is a property master for movies and television shows, including Friday Night Lights and Walker, Texas Ranger, both the original and the reboot. So uh, he's... That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so I didn't know that. I didn't know that folks that sit here in Beaufort said, you're going to find out as we go along. I did not yeah. know that. That's going to be cool. So yeah, we've got him on here and we're going to get ready to call him here in just a second. And uh, he's also a TikTok star <laughs> as Scott Prop and Roll. Very funny guy. Got a lot of great followers. He does... Videos where he tells about the the props that he makes for Hollywood, but then he also just uh, uh, does these dad jokes, which are really funny. So we're gonna we're gonna give Scott a call right now. Hello, Scott. It's Buford and Boo Boo. Hey, Buford, how you doing? <laughs> and Boo Boo's here too. Yeah. Boo Boo, how are you? So you're on you're on our podcast, Three Hillbillies on a Couch, but today. It's two hillbillies on the couch and, and one on the phone. <laughs> two hillbillies stretched out. <laughs> yeah, we got a little more room yeah. today. I'm probably more in the redneck category. I'm not. Yeah, I'm uh, southeast Texas, born well, and raised. You know the difference. Well, I'm, I'm from Texas also, but but you know the difference between a redneck and a cowboy? What? Acreage. <laughs> and the that, difference between a true. redneck and a hillbilly is elevation. <laughs> So we yeah. wanted to talk to you about, uh, well, I mean, it's a 30 minute podcast, so we got a lot of stuff to, uh, that we can cover, but we were calling you because, uh, first off, your awesome career in the film industry as a property master. We wanted to hear you tell us a little bit about that. I've already told the folks before we called you that you've worked on stuff like Friday Night Lights and both versions of Walker, Texas Ranger, but how, how did you get into that and, and, and tell us about it a little bit? Well, I've always been a, a movie lover. Got that from my mom. My mom was always watching the classics, and I was just kind of always in awe of uh, how movies were made. I guess I always wanted to know more when I watch a movie and try to figure out how they did it. Did you Did you sit there watching those old movies, going, "I wonder who put that book on that shelf"? <laughs> yeah, that and uh, <laughs> how the stuntman didn't die and all that. You know, there's just so so much. So many questions, and uh, they did. Uh, through the years, they've been getting answered. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I started um, while I was in college, uh, uh, going to University of North Texas. I got really fortunate that there was a, a movie came to town, and uh, it was called Daddy's Dying, Who's Got the Will, with Beverly D'Angelo, Bo Bridges, and a bunch of other kind of an ensemble cast of character actors. I know and, the film. Uh, and that's that's 
the I, I basically interned. I found out where they were filming. I, you kind of have to be proactive in the film business if you're wanting to get in it. And uh, I found out they were going to be filming at a hospital, so I just showed up at the hospital and saw a bunch of trucks and a bunch of people milling about. And I uh, and I walked up to somebody and offered, uh, "I'll do whatever I have to do, pick up trash. You know, I'll work for free." And that's what I did. I worked for free, and they uh, uh, I, I dabbled in several different departments. And uh, they uh, the prop department was in need of they were kind of short handed, so I kind of ended up with those guys. And uh, uh, I really enjoyed it and uh, learned a lot. And then uh, just kind of uh, that wasn't I didn't immediately go into props on that movie. I still, you know, I did camera, some camera work. I worked on commercials, Bud Light commercials. I like toured um, all of Texas and into Mexico on the Bud Light film crew in like 1992 or something like that and did. Oh, we shot in like 148 bars and, uh, yeah, three, three bars a day. And, uh, so I got, I was a camera PA on that. So I learned a little bit about camera and I've just kind of done, done a little bit of everything through the years, but always kind of gravitated back to art department props. So what was your first actual credit on like internet movie database? I think I put one in there and entered uh, Daddy's Dying. I think I've got down there because it is production assistant. Yeah. And um, there's was a movie called Mine's Life that was a, a real low-budget movie that shot in Dallas that I worked on. Yeah, I highly recommend uh, if you're uh, wanting to get into the business, the best way to learn a little bit about everything is to work on a low-budget indie film because they're always shorthanded and you're typically given a little more responsibility than if it's on a big budget, like yeah. a show or a movie or a TV show. Bigger stuff, and, you, uh, you kind of have to stay in your lane, but on an indie yeah, film, so they're like, hey. Depart- yeah. It's all union, it's departmentalized, and you, you know, you have, it's very narrow and specific what you're doing. On an indie feature, you're, you're doing a little bit of everything, and you're given a lot of responsibility because they don't have a choice because they need, they need hands to... To, to do it all so uh, so that's my big recommendation also commercials I, you learn a lot doing commercials um, when um, I art direct commercials when I'm in between shows and uh, the art department is responsible for props special effects in a lot of cases you know animals you know yeah a little bit of everything and that's what I like about what I do it's always every project is different you know, even doing a TV show like I am now on Walker, every, you know, every show is different. Yeah, you know, one of the main characters might be a firefighter, so I have to quickly do a lot of research on, okay, what equipment are they using? What are the firefighters using now to, you know, to fight fires? Or in this situation, what kind of, uh, you know, air pack would they be wearing? And then the next episode, the main character is, a, you know, works at a bakery, and I got to learn everything about being a baker. Yeah, you know, it's just... Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's across the board, you know, different every time. And it's always a challenge. And I love it. I wouldn't have thought of that. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Put the buckets away. <laughs> yeah. Cause if it ain't the right kind of thing, right. Yeah. yeah. You, then, then, then firefighters or bakers watching the show will be like, well, that's baloney. Yeah. 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 They pick you apart well, if you wasn't on it. Oh, but then you got, then, then I'll do a show like the sun which was for AMC. 
that was set in 1849 and uh, 1950. And then the second season, it was 1852, 1916, and then 1988, which is like the year I graduated high school. So I was, I was loving season two. And, uh, and it was domestic. What, one thing I learned, it was, it was a good challenge. It was difficult, but not a whole lot of shows are set in the U.S. in 1915. They're, you know, they're all you know set in world war one europe in france right, right yeah so, so you're having to uh to figure out uh what was going on you know the 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 best uh the best resource i had for finding out what was being used was getting a sears catalog from like 1 still standing in Knoxville. Um we I know where it is. I've I've t- I've uh, driven by it several times, but it's an aluminum house that was originally purchased uh, in a kit from the mm-hmm. Sears and Roebuck catalog and it's still people are still living in it in in Knoxville. What what oh, two, that's so cool. What two things from 1950 jumped out at you as far as like well I didn't see that. Yeah, 1915, yes. Um well, I was figuring out when like when using lighters and what i didn't realize it was a lot later than you'd think um the uh lighters started being introduced uh in the u.s when soldiers came back from world war one uh they'd have the trench lighters that i think they got from the french maybe uh now i can't remember exactly but yeah it's it's a google search away but it's they're called trench lighters and then uh, they, those became all the rage. And then, of course, people started developing their own versions. And then I guess the Zippos didn't come out until a little more to, around World War II. But, that is really uh, cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it was uh, just trying to figure out. You didn't want to introduce anything into your show that didn't exist yet. So that was, that was a big thing. Um, uh, it was, you know. Like I said, I would definitely use the uh, Sears and Roebuck catalog to make sure that okay, what kind of rolling pins were they used for the kitchen scenes? What kind of you know, what what were the were there any specific details to the cast iron cookware that they were using? Yeah. You know, um, well that's uh, like getting, you know getting the knives and utensils right. You know, and that's just a matter of uh, yeah. You know, one, one thing you got to keep in mind that's when I said I'd get catalogs from years back, people didn't all in 1915 everything they had wasn't made in 1950 right they're using stuff from their from their relatives so you would i would sprinkle in stuff from the late 1800s exactly on up and you you can so you that's that's you have that leeway and that's nice well that's like uh, the the salt the salt the salt and pepper shakers were not invented until 1908 yeah. Up until that time, everyone was using a salt cellar, which is a little bowl of salt with a little tiny silver spoon in it that you would use to salt your food. Well, so if you're making a period piece that's set in 1912, they might have salt and pepper shakers, but they might still have salt cellars. Mm-hmm. They might not have gotten the the the, uh, the new update yet. 
It wasn't like in 1908, they went to every house and said, here's your salt and pepper shakers. Quit using the bowl. <laughs> it's expired. <laughs> it's been recalled. <laughs> that is really cool, Scott. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Do you walk through the forest with an eye open for the unknown? Do you believe that Bigfoot is out there somewhere? He may be hiding, but you don't have to. Let the world know you believe. Visit BigfootSearchGear.com for the largest collection of apparel and gifts for Bigfoot enthusiasts. Bigfoot t-shirts, hats, stickers, signs, and keychains as well as Sasquatch hot sauce. It'll make you howl like a Yeti. Go to BigfootSearchGear.com and enter promo code HILLBILLIES at checkout for 10% off. Free shipping to anywhere in the U.S. on orders over $25. BigfootSearchGear.com And we're back. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking to Scott Reader, also known as Scott Prop and Roll, on TikTok. And is that your name on other platforms as well? Yes, on uh, YouTube, it's Scott Prop and Roll. Instagram, Scott Prop and Roll. And uh, yeah, just tried to keep it easy across the board. Yeah, I did the same thing. Meet Buford all the way across the board. Uh, I actually played with it before I published it. I made sure I could get the same name on all those platforms. And then I was like, okay, this is go. And the website was available, so I have meetbuford.com. But... Yeah, I've had a tougher time dealing with uh, with YouTube in the sense that uh, there was uh, a fake account. Before I, I, I waited too long to get on YouTube, I was having my hands full with TikTok and Instagram because I'm not a social media-minded person. A year ago, I was just getting on TikTok, and I definitely uh, wasn't involved on Instagram at all. So uh, while I was trying to figure out and navigate TikTok and Instagram, somebody started a, a, a YouTube page. They used my profile picture. They were they stole all my videos and were posting them on YouTube. And I didn't know about it for a couple months. And, uh, and yeah, they called it the prop master. So I had to like hire a lawyer, have him pulled down, started my own YouTube page. Now I can't get any viewers, but that's what it is. We've had the same, we had the same, we had the same thing happen with hillbillies in the holler. We had people, uh, pirate us on, uh, um, Facebook and use all of our content and everything. We got it eventually pulled down, but yeah, that kind of stuff goes on, unfortunately. But, uh, And, you know, in the entertainment business, you know, as comedians, we've had people steal our jokes for years. And, and oh, yeah. uh, my theory has always been what uh, what uh, Walt Disney said. You just have to create faster than they can steal. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some the way I look at it, if as long as they add, if they take a joke you've done or written yourself and they add something to it, I'm totally cool with that. They make it their own. They make it better. I'm like, ah, I wish I thought of that. Oh, exactly. Um, but if they're just straight outright, you know, uh, you know, not trying to give credit, you know, cause I've used those and we all have all used other people's jokes. You hear a funny joke, you retell it. Uh, you try and give credit when you can. Um, but what's funny is one of the jokes I did, and it was an old joke about, uh, 
Yeah, my son was chewing on the electrical cords, and I had to ground him. Right. <laughs> and uh, that joke's been around for, oh, gee, since for 30, 40 years. But uh, so I made up two more punchlines, which was, uh, uh, but he's doing better currently and conducting himself properly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I added that to the end. And then I'll tell you, it wasn't a week after I posted that TikTok that it was on Twitter. My version of that joke was on Twitter, on Reddit, on Facebook. Yeah. You know, uh, you know it, it was it's crazy how, how it just spreads. Well, we had, uh, we had a funny situation happen with Hillbillies in the Holler where we posted a video of Biggins telling this joke that his father had told him when he was a child and it went really well. And then people started accusing us of stealing it from this other creator who had posted it four years before. And we pulled it up and yeah, the guy was telling the joke, but I did about five minutes of Google research and found not only three other people who made videos of the same joke before that guy, but I also found a um, thing where anthropologists had collected this joke in Texas and Northern Mexico uh, back in 1970. Now, if anthropologists were already collecting that joke in 1970, that means it dates back probably to the 40s or 50s. Oh, yeah. And so we, we, and of course, we put all that research out there to the to the to trolls who were attacking us and saying, not only is it not our joke, it's not his joke, and it's not anybody's joke. This is an old joke. But yeah. I had somebody steal one of my ventriloquist routines, like verbatim. And again, like you, I was like, you know, if you take what I'm doing and plus it, make it different and make it yours, I'm all for it. But 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 don't just copy me wholesale. That's yeah, that's exactly. dirty cool. Well, one yeah, of the exactly. but yeah, like you said, we're learning. This is how we we figure we're learning the ropes. Yeah, and, uh, that's what life's about. So I'm I'm all for it. So it's just trying to juggle that with uh, doing props. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Well, I'd like to ask you about uh, one of the nicest human beings that I have ever met in my life, and I know you worked with him is uh, Chuck Norris. That oh, you, yeah. You worked on the original Walker as well as the current reboot, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I did um, from 93 to 2001. Wow. I was on a, I worked on 196 episodes. I wasn't the prop master. I was the uh, assistant prop master slash buyer. So I rounded up all the stuff. That's kind of where I cut my teeth. So how, how, what was it like working on that show? Oh, it was great. It, it wasn't easy. You know, it was, uh, you know, seven uh, seven days to film an episode and, uh, and the original Walker, it was packed full of action. So we had kind of two crews going on at the same time. So I was having to manage and get stuff to boat to, you know, a stunt crew. They call them second units. So I'd uh, make sure I knew what second unit was doing, car crashes, fights, bar fights, whatnot. And then the main unit that was doing the, uh, you know, the, the hero actors. Yeah. Well, and we, Chuck did a lot of his stunts. Don't get me wrong; he would pop into the second units and do his part. Sure, uh, but he did have he did have stunt doubles that did the the you know treacherous stuff, like, you know the car the car chase stuff and all that. Yeah, well, no, and, and I yeah I I know he does a lot of his own stunts. Actually, the way the, one of the reasons I met him was the fact that he and I studied the same martial art, Tung Soo Do, and uh, his back kick that he does in all of his movies and television shows and everything is a mm-hmm 
stereotypical. I mean, that is exactly the way a Tung Sudo back kick is supposed to look. And it doesn't look like any other martial arts back kick. So you can tell if he's doing it or if he got a stunt double to do it, he trained them how to do it right because it's, oh, yeah. it is perfect. But he is, uh, Biggins, our other guy that's on the show with us usually has also met him. And, and we, but we did a, an episode a while back about heroes and both of us mentioned having met him and just what a genuinely nice human being he is. Oh, wonderful! He was—he was a yeah. So funny! Great, all the I, I all the jokes off. about him being this mean person and nasty and everything, and you know all the the Chuck Norris jokes, and they're he loves them too. He actually published a book about them. But oh, yeah. it's so funny to have those jokes told about somebody who's such a just nice guy. Oh yeah, and uh, but he is tough though. I mean, at least that's what's funny about it is he he did uh, you know he he did amazing things and he. Uh, I, this is a true story. We were filming out, uh, is a scene where he's walking through the woods searching for somebody who's been captured, right? I don't remember. We did a lot of those storylines. And he comes across a rattlesnake, right? So we had, uh, a guy that, uh, that had a devenomed rattlesnake. He was a, you know, the snake wrangler. Yeah. Uh, and I believe at the time, I'm not sure what, you know, humane associations, uh, you know, restrict now, but at the time, we're talking in the early 90s, uh, they would put like a, an adhesive to keep venom from producing. So they'd milk the snake. Then they would put like super glue on the tips of the, uh, of the fangs, right? And it was a, a scene where he's supposed to sneak up behind the rattlesnake, grab it, and throw it off the path. You know, it's like he's walking on the yeah. path, it's in his way, he grabs it. Well, the uh, cameraman was all lined up. Chuck goes down, picks up the snake, tosses it to the side, and uh, the cameraman's like, yeah, oh, man, I was just, I'm sorry, uh, Chuck, I was just a little out of focus. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so they reset oh. the snake, get it back in the spot, Chuck goes in, uh <laughs> throws the snake out uh, in, off the path and the cameraman is like, oh, please don't, please don't get mad, Chuck, I, I messed up. Oh, gosh. Uh, and he's like, he's, he's like, are you kidding me? And you never saw Chuck really get mad. He was just, you could tell he was a little perturbed. He's like, wow, I did this perfect the first first two times. So they go in for the third time and yeah, snakes aren't snake dumb. Too. No, they're not dumb. Snakes yeah. aren't dumb. So He knew what was they, coming. The snake knew what was coming on the third time, so Chuck goes down, grabs for the snake. The snake recoils, spins around, and pops him on between the thumb and the pointer finger, you know, that sweet spot of your hand. Yep. And, uh, and man, it drew blood. He was <laughs> – that was the only time I've seen Chuck get mad. He was like, I'm not – he goes, yeah, I'm not doing it again. You, you better – you tell me you got the perfect shot. <laughs> well, he actually. <laughs> was like, oh yeah, it's great, it's great. Chuck, <laughs> Chuck actually, I've heard him tell this same story, and I was going to ask you about it, so I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> but he published a book a few years ago about the Chuck Norris Chuck Norris facts, and he said yeah. in it, you know, what he would do is he would he would list a bunch of the facts, and then if something had actually happened that was close to what was in the fact, he would tell a little story about it. And one of the jokes was. Chuck Norris was once bit by a rattlesnake, and after three days of agony, the rattlesnake died. Yeah. <laughs> and after that fact, he told that story, and he said that the snake wrangler hid from him for the next couple of days. 
because he, oh, yeah. he was oh, afraid yeah. that he, Chuck was mad at him. <laughs> well, you know, that's what's funny is it wasn't the Snake Wrangler's fault. No. You, know, you, you can only do so many. You know, you, you got to know you're limited <laughs> with wild, wild creatures. Oh, goodness. Oh, that's crazy. That's, that's another thing, working with animals, is you got to, uh, it's little things you don't think about. I did uh, reshoots for a show called Furry Vengeance. It was all about these uh, animals trying to run Brendan Fraser out of the woods uh so so they didn't build a development you know or whatever so uh i had to build a habitat for a raccoon and squirrel and all this stuff you know stylized with little uh forks made out of branches and you know plates made out of uh leaves and whatnot and uh and all the food every when you were dealing with uh, wild wild animals uh untrainable animals well, I shouldn't say untrainable, but very difficult to train animals like raccoons and squirrels. Uh, all the food has to be fake or else it totally throws them off and their their whole main thought process is get to get the food. So there we're having to make, you know, fake acorns, fake strawberries or, you know, find them and whatnot. And, you know, they can't have any kind of smell on them. So it's just all those little things you don't think about wow. is, uh, when dealing with animals. <laughs> that's wild. I wouldn't have thought of that. No, that's the thing. You don't think yeah. about these things. There's so much work that goes on behind the scenes in movies that people don't really appreciate, you know. I remember uh, we had a bear on Walker. And I don't remember if... I feel like Chuck might have wrestled the bear. Uh, I can't remember the exact thing that happened. We were filming it, I believe, in Colorado. Um, Colorado or Utah? No, now it's all mixed up in my head. But uh, but they they parked the bear right outside of my hotel room. And at 10 o'clock every night, that bear would cry because he was lonely. And <laughs> <laughs> the whole three weeks of shooting uh, those episodes, uh, that episode, I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, sleep deprived because of the lonely bear. Because <laughs> you were being serenaded by a lonely bear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to take another quick break for a word from a sponsor, and we'll be right back after this. Right. And today's episode is brought to you by coffeeandsugar.com. That's K-A-W-F-E-E-A-N-D-S-U-G-A-R, coffeeandsugar.com. Home of Granny's Hillbilly Coffee, some of the best coffee you'll ever drink. If you use promo code HOLLER at checkout, you'll save 15% off orders of $29 or more. Visit coffeeandsugar.com and tell them the Hillbillies in the Holler sent you. And we're back. All right. Well, we are talking with our friend Scott Reader, Scott Prop and Roll on TikTok and other social media. And uh, man, this is this is really cool. Now, one of the things you're known for on social media is your dad jokes. Yeah. So, um, uh, that was what first got my attention, and that's when I started following you because I not only do I love your dad jokes. But to me, the funniest part of them is like there's a couple of guys who read each other dad jokes and and giggle like idiots. But you deliver all of yours totally deadpan, and then you've got that signature look off to the right where you just <laughs> turn your head and like let it sink in, kind of like the office, like at the office. <laughs> well, you know, there was 
I guess if you look back at my earliest, maybe I might have deleted them, but there are a couple of my early ones where I would try to, it was just awkward trying to, I, I didn't do well laughing at my own jokes, you know, or right. it, it, I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. And it looked like I was fake laughing. There are some people that can pull it off and uh, they're telling a joke like they just heard it from a friend and they're retelling it and they have a hard time getting it out and they're laughing and they're really just, their laugh is infectious. Well, mine isn't. (laughs) And, uh, so I decided early on after two or three, uh, jokes, number one, I had never delivered a joke on camera until a year ago until, you know, I joined TikTok. I've been writing them and putting them on Reddit and just, you know, I've been writing jokes for a couple of years, but I had not, delivered one so it took me a little while to figure out well what's you know what works for me and what worked for me was just letting the joke speak for itself yeah <laughs> and and just uh coming up with uh because a lot of you know a lot of my jokes are wordplay where i deliver the joke and until i put the caption up there that would tell the audience oh you know and and so i would you know give that quiet pause and then you know, uh, I eventually just started looking, uh, glancing off to the right or whatever to let the audience know I was done with the joke. <laughs> uh, well, so that's it, kind of the period to my sentence. It it's obviously like works. Uh, give the look to the right, you know I'm done. <laughs> it, it obviously works because we've been on, you and I have been on TikTok about the same amount of time. And uh, I have 180,000 followers and you have over a million so obviously it's working. Well, I, you know, a lot of that is people's curiosity is the film business. So I, once I, you know, I had been on TikTok and built about 80,000 followers. Uh, uh, and by August, I joined in May and by August I had about 80,000 and stri- I was strictly doing the dad jokes. And uh, I got uh, back on uh, once the, pandemic eased up a little bit and they started uh, opening up Texas and we uh, I had been on an Amazon show and we started back up on the Amazon show and one of my assistants was like man you really you know what we do is kind of interesting what if you did you know smashed a bottle against your head or something you know to teach people a little bit about what we do I was like, well, that's a great idea. And, and uh, so I started off with a couple of those. Then uh, after I did a couple, uh, you know, prop related videos, they, I got a, a lot of, uh, you know, I started gaining more followers more quickly. Then I did one where I threw a, just a, a goofy dad joke at the end and it took off. I mean, it went crazy, like 12 million views. The combination like of the two. Like, okay, I think I'm on to something. Yeah, doing a prop <laughs> video and then ending it with a dad joke. I've seen those and, and they're great. Yeah. And, yeah, so I started writing dad jokes into the, you know, kind of melding them in. Some, some I'll just... Uh, you know, tag it with a dad joke. Some I'll just sprinkle, you know, really bad puns throughout. It just depends on the what what I'm talking about that day. But well, uh, I'm gonna tell yeah, you, so, my favorite video of yours that I have seen so far is definitely walking Texas Ranger with your assistant. Oh, really? Yeah, my assistant. He's got this assistant who does a Christopher Walken impersonation. Oh, so he does Walker, Texas Ranger as Christopher Walken. Oh my goodness. It's, 
If you haven't, if guys, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't seen this video, I'm looking that up. Go look it up. Scott Prop and Roll, Walking Texas Ranger. It's awesome. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, he uh, yeah he did the uh, the Pulp Fiction monologue. He reworked mm-hmm. that, but it was but instead of the watch, <laughs> it was a badge. Yeah. <laughs> I carried yeah, this uncomfortable yeah, hunk of metal. <laughs> yeah, he, he is, he's talented. And I had to, I had to clean it up a little bit, to, to, just so, uh, the network would be okay with it if they ever saw it. Right, right. Well, and you're like, you're like us. We, we keep our stuff all PG. You know, it's, yeah. uh, we, we might, we yeah. might do a little, a little, uh, saucy stuff, but my comedy, I've always, uh, I've always tried to, um, you know, I've worked for live family audiences for years, and I've always tried to be like a Looney Tunes cartoon where there's jokes that only the adults get, but it's not vulgarity. And my my litmus test for any of my jokes has always been, will it cause an uncomfortable conversation on the ride home? And if the answer is yes, then I find a new version that won't. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I used to do an act with a live dog uh, where I would make a live dog talk and he would do impersonations of other dog breeds. So like German shepherd was like, all your sheep get back in the line. And uh boxer was like, hey, yo, Adrian, you know? And, um, but when I would say, how about a Springer Spaniel? The first joke that came to mind was those puppies aren't mine. And he'd say, Oh, sorry. That's a Jerry Springer Spaniel. But, I realized that that could cause an uncomfortable conversation on the way home. So I changed it to, um, you don't treat me right. And I'd say, what? And he'd say, sorry, that's a Jerry Springer Spaniel. Every adult in the room knew exactly what I was talking about. And if a kid asked about it, mom, what did, I didn't understand that joke about you don't treat me right. The mom could say, well, the Jerry Springer show is a show where people come on TV and argue about their relationships. And so the dog was saying, you don't treat me right like somebody in a bad relationship. See, that's not an uncomfortable conversation, but those puppies aren't mine and paternity tests, that's an uncomfortable conversation. So that's <laughs> that's sort of the way that I've always tried to handle my comedy. I'm not a prude, but I don't want to make anybody mad. Yeah, so. yeah I'm the same way. I've, I've kept language out of it. But, you know, yeah. uh, for the most, I mean, I don't know that I've ever really, yeah, I, I dance around with the bathroom humor a little bit just because I, because, because I'm a 13 year old at heart. Oh, I know. My wife gets on <laughs> me all the time. I, the other day, I, she said something and I made a 12 year old joke like that. And she was like, You really are 12, aren't you? I said, Yep, yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. And uh, now what's funny is my kids are really have gotten good at writing puns. So even though in some of my videos they'll act like, oh, come on, Dad, that's kind of an act because my son wrote a great joke. I let him deliver it doing an impression of me on one joke. And it's 100% his joke. He made it up. And uh, it was, uh, oh, geez, what was a candle? It was a candle joke. It was, what do you call it? What do you call it when a candle eats another candle? Candlebalism. And I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> good for him. That's good. <laughs> it really is. And he, uh, and, uh, so I, I did it in like two takes and he did the look off to, into the distance mm-hmm. and everything. And I, yeah, I posted it. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, so, uh, it's, uh, it's infectious. So he's catching it. That's great. <laughs> well, I always say that a dad joke is a, any joke that'll make a teenager roll their eyes. 
Like, oh gosh, Dad, you're so stupid. You oh know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But if you know, if you're not embarrassing them, what fun are you having? You know. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my my and my my 18 year old, she's real good at the. Oh come on. <laughs> she, but she'll say, okay, that's ridiculous, but you should post it. <laughs> exactly. You, it's, should, you it's, probably should post it because there are people there out there that'll think that's funny. Yeah. It's stupid, but it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, man, I tell you what, I really appreciate you. Uh, I've learned a lot. I'm glad you, uh, Buford didn't. Uh, Buford didn't tell me what this was about, so this has been fascinating for me. And, oh. uh, uh, I, I am curious, what happens to the props when you're done with them? Well, at the end of a show, uh, we keep a warehouse like for uh, Walker, um, the current one that I'm working on. We have a warehouse, and you know it's all stored, and we we re, reuse, repurpose for the most part. You know, we keep it all, and then uh, when a show ends or like the end of a feature film, they'll typically do a uh, a yard sale. There's a couple things. They'll either hire uh, there'll be a company out of LA that comes in and pays a lump sum for all of it. And they'll load it in trucks, bring it back to LA, and then they'll sell it. They'll, you know, do certificates of authenticity and sell it on, you know, a website. Or um, they'll have a local yard sale and sell stuff. And, you know, they'll just advertise it in Facebook Marketplace or paper or whatever. That's it. Well, do you have any, uh, do you collect any? Do you have any interesting collection? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll go in and uh, on. Uh, certain things you know it depends different show to show but i'll i'll uh you know say okay well i'll give you you know three thousand dollars for this that this pile of stuff that sort of thing you know i'll kind of be i'll get first dibs and then come up with a fair you know price let the accounting department the producers decide what they want to you know sell the stuff for and uh you know well, I would think a collection of 1915 props would be huge when somebody gets ready to do one. <laughs> yeah, but it's a matter of having, uh, you know, space to store it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I try to keep stuff at my shop that's, you know, rent, you know, rentable and um, uh, that doesn't sit there for 10 years without being rented. So it's it's it, that's the, the toughest part of it all is knowing, knowing what to keep, you know, or what, what to have, you know. Um, you know, and having things that are, you can't just jump on Amazon and buy. That's what I try to, you know, keep or things that are, um, you know, and occupational stuff, doctor stuff, military, police gear, you know, and I do keep, uh, I've, I've tried to keep a good selection of, uh, period stuff as well, but, uh, but you can, it can, uh, overwhelm your, uh, your square footage pretty fast if you're not careful. You got to be real <laughs> so good. It's yeah. more of a Noah's Ark situation. You try to just have two of everything, and uh, uh, you know, or else, you know, you have you get to where you know you have a hundred of one item, then you gotta Wait, rethink. Almost. Okay, well, this, yeah, I gotta call this down so I have room for the whatever it is. Yeah, it's almost like an organized quarter. Yeah, just as soon. Oh, yeah, I'm a, I am a professional hoarder. Yeah, it's, just as soon as you get rid of something you know will never ever be used again, it'll be in demand. They're like, we need a 1915 yeah. trench lighter, and you're like, oh, I just sold those off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me and, see if I can uh, rent it back from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I've been in that situation too. Yeah, the second you, you get rid of something, that's when you need it. And 
Yeah, I just uh, I've, I've been doing a, a little series of videos on TikTok that's uh, random props at my shop, and I'll just literally walk around my shop and find three or four items, and and I can do that forever. I was like, I've got endless material because I've got so much stuff and a lot with you know interesting stories behind it, and uh, so I. Uh, the random props from my shop. That's been a, a fun series to do. Well, and I saw the video you did the other day about the Easter eggs and about how you put that same watch in every film that you can. Um, yep. That's really cool. Now, you'll get a kick out of this. We're about to wrap up. This will be the end of it. But uh, I, uh, you'll get a kick out of this because I found a an antique in an antique shop a while back, and, and I bought it because it went great with this joke that I was already telling. But I found an antique playbill from the 1870s for Miss Teeny, the baby medium. And this was a lady who actually toured back in the 1860s and 70s, who was a little wow. person who did a, 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 a medium psychic show on stage. And... Um, so I've got it framed in my living room, hanging up, uh, and and I actually did a TikTok about it back early in my TikTok career. But uh, so you know, Miss Teeny went around doing these shows, and she finally got arrested in New York for being a fraud, and they they uh, put her in a, a cell. But because she was a little person, in the middle of the night, she slipped through the bars and escaped. And the next morning, the newspaper read, "Small medium at large." <laughs> oh, I bought this antique playbill. <laughs> And had it framed to hang in my living room just so I can tell that dad joke. Oh, oh no, I'm so guilty of that. I'll order stuff and Amanda will be at the, you know, an Amazon package will arrive at the door and she'll open it up and it's like an automotive spring. And I'm not a mechanic, right? She's like, what? What? Why did you buy this? And I'm like, well, it's for. Don't worry about it. It's for a joke. I'll put you in it. I'll put you in it. So I grab the spring, throw up the ladder, and get my wife on the ladder, holding the spring in the air, and that was my spring is in the air joke. Oh. <laughs> well, Scott, thank yeah. you. Hey, he's got to leave us with a good dad. Yeah, joke. give us a dad joke before we go. Yes. Oh, yes. I went. I imagined it. I imagined it. I saw you looking off. That is so awesome, Scott. Well, this is a this has been our longest episode yet, but it was totally worth it. So, thank you so much. All right. Well, I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me. I really oh man, we appreciate it. Well, made my Sunday. Well, folks, do us a favor. Follow us on uh, on Facebook and on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. Hillbillies in the holler and. Uh, at Moonshiner's Life for Biggins and at Meet Buford for me. Um, it, we appreciate you taking a break from your busy podcasting schedule to listen to our podcast. Be sure and like us, uh, subscribe, review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Let folks know about us. If you have anything you'd like to hear us do an episode about, or if you just have questions, comments, whatever, email us at meetbuford at gmail.com. And yes, TikTok, follow at Scott Prop and Roll. Uh, and you can also, what are your other uh, social media? Uh, it's all? the same on Instagram, Scott Prop and Roll, and on YouTube.
YouTube, Scott Prof And that'll be in the uh, description uh, of the uh, podcast here, so you can click on the link there. But thank you so much for being with us. You guys uh, keep uh, listening. Come back next week. In the meantime, I'm Buford. I'm Boo Boo. And he's Scott. <laughs> Y'all be good to each other. <laughs> You've been listening to Three Hillbillies on a Couch, live from downtown Boogertown. You can follow us on social media at Hillbillies in the Holler, at Moonshiner's Life, and at Meet Buford. Y'all come back now.